Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is May 14th, 2023, and it's Mother's Day, y'all. Happy Mother's Day. Look, we want to start off by jumping right into Scripture, going to Psalm chapter 127. We're going to take a look at verse 3. Say, Happy Mother's Day as you're turning. Psalm 127 and verse 3 says this, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring are a reward from him. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Uh, Yeah. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They Those families that have been blessed by the Lord, they will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. What a blessed day to be thinking about the fact that what you have been given, children are an actual heritage. They're a gift from God himself. They are designed to be like arrows in your quiver, like arrows that a warrior can then shoot out, launch into the nations, launch exactly to the place where God has designated. Man, this is a blessed house. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Blessed are the men and women whose quiver is full of children, both natural and spiritual children. Because I promise you, you'll never be put to shame when you are having children and raising them in a godly fashion. Now, come on now. Isn't that important to understand as parents? Anybody been embarrassed by your kids before? When they look at someone there in in the store and be like, Mama. Yeah. See what I did there? I just let you fill in the blank. (laughs) We have stories miles long about what our kids have said to other people that are completely embarrassing out in public. But the Word of God promises you that as you are raising them in righteousness, as you are enjoying and being blessed by the reward of God, you will never be put to shame because that moment in the grocery store is not the end of the story. That's just part of the journey in God's blessing are that you are going to raise godly offspring and that men and women who raise godly offspring, you're never put to shame. You're never embarrassed by the product that comes from the blessings of God. Isn't that a good word? As Pastor Wade is going through that, I'm thinking of some of my girls when they were in the grocery store at the age of three or four. And Sydney is basically hanging half of her body outside of the shopping cart to lean over and say hello to every passerby. It became one of the, mo- the greatest witnessing tools at HEB and Kroger. Strike up a conversation. The initial part was quite exciting in that she was being joyfully magnetic. What would then come out of her mouth after that contact was yet to be seen. I can't help but think of week after week, well, actually two times a week, each time we have service, our children line this stage from one end to another. And how can we not look back and see and celebrate today the fruitfulness of our lives, the fruitfulness of our church? Look, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read verse 10. Actually, back up to verse 9. We're going to run into this one. There we go. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, 
asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit. Everybody say bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. In every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. As we, we survey what God has been doing for years in this church, can't we agree and see the evidence of us bearing fruit in every good work? How much more competent, able, and fit we are to advance the kingdom because not only are we individually increasing and growing and bearing fruit, but as teams and as a family of a church, we're doing likewise as well. Well, what we're leading into today is a baby dedication and, or, and a child dedication. We are going to bear witness and celebrate God's fruitfulness in this house. Now, we did mention it's also Mother's Day. And moms, you are that champion of labor. Right? I mean, for us dads... We, we feel some pain, but not quite the same kind of pain, right? With that labor, with that toil, initially by giving birth, it produces a joyful example of life. And the rest of the parenting process after that day that they're born is probably more painful than the initial time that they were uh, <laughs> coming to the world. We get to celebrate today the entire process of raising up a righteous generation. And that this is what we do as an entirety of a family. It was three years ago on Mother's Day that we had our last baby dedication. Three years. So 36 months ago, whatever the date adjustment, but we're talking exactly three years ago, right? So today, best I can tell, from what you sent to me, we're going to be dedicating 31 babies today. <laughs> babies and children, because some of them are going to be standing here with you. 31 in 36 months. Woo! Come on, man. Man, when we think about Malachi 2 and realize that God is seeking that Adonai is seeking godly offspring. This is what this house is raising up. We're going to celebrate that today. Can somebody say amen? amen. We're going to celebrate those who have offspring that have been produced and those who are fighting to have children that will yet be produced in their households. Our goal is not just that we're raising children. Our goal is that we are raising righteous men and women of God who will go tear down the kingdom of darkness and raise up the kingdom of light everywhere that they go. I want to remind you, mothers, on Mother's Day here, I want to remind you that parenting is a holy, noble, and the highest of calls that you can have. The highest of callings that a woman can have is not to stand on a stage with a microphone. It's not to stand behind a music stand and try to teach. The highest calling that you have is to reflect your husband and to be a great mother for your children. That is ministry. That is godliness. That is holiness. And that is what you have been given the opportunity for. Man, that's a good, this is a great day. Now, 
because we're not just raising kids, there's this, uh, there's this timer that goes off. There's a clock that starts from conception on into adulthood that you only have a limited time to be able to do what God has for your portion in the life of your child. And I love my house. I love this church. I love our family right here because you are taking advantage of every moment. You're making the most of every opportunity so that you can cause your children to be righteous adults in our day and time. Doesn't that change the whole perspective from day one? That we're not raising children, we are raising adults. That means that we're putting on their shoulders responsibility at the right time as God has ordained so that they can arrive to that full, mature adulthood. Well, from the beginning, and I would say when you first find out that your wife is pregnant, right, there's a couple of things you begin to estimate and plan on. Number one is going to be the due date. That's what you want to find out. But everyone do, does this, and uh, you begin to research in all means possible, what are we going to name this child, right? What name are we going to give it? What are we going to call this entity that is a blessing from God himself? So what do we do? We look at the baby name books or go online and look at all those research and meaning. But particularly what this church has done is that we have gone to God's word. And we look into his living and active scriptures to give us insight into who this child is going to be and therefore what their name should be. Well, when we do this, we're giving them a name before we know their character. Before we know what divine task they will accomplish. Even before we know what kind of personality they have. We do this, meaning that we name or call our children by faith. So Romans 10, 17. Everybody turn there. Let's take a look at that. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. So our parental responsibility is to hear from the Lord by faith of what the name of our child is going to be. And then once named, it stays that name. So therefore, we name our infants through the means of trust-granted obedience that the Lord has given them a name and function before we ever see it fully manifest. Eve in Genesis, was named by Adam, her husband. In fact, he, he declared her to be mother of the living. The way that you rightly pronounce her name is Chava. Chava is, means mother of the living. The root word is high, life. And he named her that due to a promise that her offspring would go and crush the serpent's head. There was a word that God spoke in the midst of the fall of mankind that Adam heard a promise, and therefore he heard a function of what he spoke over his wife. That was declared before she ever gave birth to Cain and Abel, that she was declared the mother of the living. So here's a very simple and clear biblical foundation. 
Mothers give birth. Fathers give names. Mothers give birth. Fathers give names or the name of what is going to be born. That is exactly what we see in the interaction between Adam and Eve. She was going to be the one to birth life, but it was from the function of her husband, the father, that was going to name what that life would function as. Come on, isn't that a good word? Look, today we are celebrating. How can you tell me that your church is fruitful without saying that you're fruitful? How can you say that your marriage counseling is going really well at your church Without telling me that your marriage counts. How can you tell me that the presence of God is with this group of people without saying that directly? I'm so glad that you asked. Right before we get the families to come up here so that we can dedicate our babies and children today, we'd like to celebrate God's fruitfulness in godly offspring here to our church bodies. We want to show you some slides that you can enjoy while you're there in your seat. We'd like to start off with the first one. Pastor Matt was talking about naming children, and you'll see how many biblical concepts, biblical names that are in this house. We have Elisha, Ephraim, Eregina, December 2nd, 2021. Abraham, Levi Brown, little warrior, December 7th, 2020. Elias, Eric Butler, April 7th, 2022. We have Dawn Carter. June 19th of 2022. Jedediah, Ittai, the dang. Also on December 2nd, 2021. Elisha, Sarah, Deramola, May 8th, 2020. That's some cuteness right there. Shifra, Hadassah, Deramola, March 3rd of this year, 2023. Camilo, Alejandro, Gonzalez. Just pretend like that was really good. Oh, it was, brother. It was. March 27th of 2022. Emilio Andres Gonzalez. April 27th of 2020. David. Elijah. Hewitt. That's a great picture right That's there. the effect of the glory of God weighing down. <laughs> and the lip comes out. August 26th of 2021. Grace Leanne Lawhon. September 17th. Yeah, get all the alls in there. You know that's cuteness. 2022. Matthias Joshua Linton. Little GQ himself. November 11th, 2021. Ephraim Jude Moloch, June 15th, 2020. Bezalel. Judah. Parsons. I had to edit it, Pastor. I did. He takes after his dad. Takes after his dad. June 21st of 2021. Aviana Gray Phillips, June 22nd of 2020. Junior Joy Punsalan. 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 Reyesora, August 18th of 2021. Judah David Robinson. December 21st, 2020. Emily Gazelle Rodate, August 21st of 2021. Ready to eat her up, apparently. 
Clarion, Turua Rosales, May 25th, 2022. Rafael Gabor Rueda, January 14th of 2023. Elena Victoria Sosa, February 15th of 2023. Luna Eliana Sosa, October 12th of 2020. Boaz Barack Stevens, November 3rd of 2020. David Aaron Stevens, February 2nd. 2022. I got to admit, that's my favorite uh, birth date. 2-2-22. I can remember that one. Jehu Hananiah Stevens, August 26th of 2020. Rivka Lynn Sutherland, August 6th, 2021. Apollos Wade Sutherland, April 19th, 2023. Look at those fists. Ready to fight. Just put me in there. Peter Israel Thomas, January 24th, 2021. Avigail Tisdale, May 4th, 2022. Ariel Batzion Trister, June 10th, 2021. And Yoel Ibrahim Zakari, September 28th of 2020. Tell me you're fruitful. Tell me God is with us. My goodness, at this time, we'd like to ask for the families and the children who are going to be dedicated to come up here to the stage with us. We're going to have to have the first people up here, if you guys will fill up the stage, and then we can fill up the floor area right after that. Come on up, come on up. Ethan, make sure you go to real wide so we, or, or uh, Jonah, so we can get everybody here. If you're first up, you're on the stage, and then once the stage is filled, everybody else will be right down here. Come on. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, come on. Come on down here. Church, take this in. What we have been fighting for in our way of life for decades, God has made abundantly fruitful. More than we can ask or imagine. What you see before you are families that have laid a foundation for their children to continue and magnify. Let's pull up Isaiah 8. And verse 18, sound booth. Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We, everybody say we. We. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. So families that are standing up here, 
we are going to give you a public charge to take responsibility by offering this child who belongs first to the Lord and then to you to raise them up to become godly offspring. But I want to speak to the heads of the households first. All of you men standing up here say, I. I. In fact, say, here am I. Here am I. And the children the Lord has given me. And the children the Lord has given me. It is upon your shoulders first and foremost to recognize the responsibility that you have and the glory of that responsibility. That what he has given you is not a burden. It is a sign and symbol. It is a powerful display of God's supernatural ability through you and your home. And it's through your offspring that he is going to make his kingdom advance and his name be ever more glorified. We are signs and symbols. Church, can you see the signs and symbols that are before you? Since the majority of the church is here, church, can you see the signs and symbols that this is? You have been entrusted with something from the heavens. Your children are first and foremost, they belong to the Lord. And they have been entrusted to you as you develop them through the course of their life into maturity, into adulthood, so that they could surpass you in every way. This is such a great privilege. So as a group of pastors, we have a charge for you. If you put our pledge on the screen, your pastors are going to begin to ask you questions. You can just trust us. You can look right at us. I'd like to start off by asking you parents here before me, will you celebrate your parenting, recognizing that you were formed and built to accomplish reaching the generations? Will you elevate the word in every area of your life, knowing that God will complete his promises to you and your generations without fail? Will you commit to continue the life-giving work of parenting your children according to the divine mandates and instructions of Scripture? Will you walk in confidence that your children and their destinies belong to the Lord and that His Word will never fail you or them? Finally, will you train them through your actions and discipleship to love the Lord with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let's take our next slide. Church, this is a pledge to you, to the body of Christ, after this moment when we leave here today. Will you promise to use God's written word as the sole source of truth to strengthen and encourage your own families and households? Will you promise to help these families do the same? Amen. Church, as part of this pledge, don't you love the fact that we are a single family? That we are one unified body? And so if there's a pledge that's going on in here, there's a pledge that has to be going on here as well. There's a responsibility that we have. Church, will you promise to celebrate God's ability to complete his promises and with confidence commit to continue your work in raising the generations? And will you help these families do the same? Amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do, saints. 
Take your Bibles, set them to the side. We want you to stand to your feet. Elders, if you can come down front. We're going to begin to pray for these families. And as we pray over them, we're expecting that there will be prophetic words that the pastors and elders will give them. Your part in this is that we want you to join us in prayer for them and over them. And if you receive a prophetic word, we want you to write it down. And then after service, we want you to, be, uh, to share it with them. Because we are a family. And we trust that, that God will move in the midst of our body, not only today, but from this day forward in helping these families accomplish the goal of raising up righteous offspring. Are you ready to pray, saints? Mighty God, we lift up right now all of the families that are standing here on the stage. Lord, with these signs and symbols in their arms and by their side, Lord, we pray that your spirit begin to breathe words of encouragement, prophetic direction that is agreeing with your name that you have given each one of these children. Lord, that this, your spirit would also continue to empower these parents or to raise up godly offspring by establishing a foundation on your word and your word alone. Lord, that our actions in our household would match what your word says and that they would magnify what we have given to them. Continue to pray, saints. Father, we thank you for the fruitfulness of this house, well, the fruitfulness of your holiness in our lives, the way you have led us into your righteousness and justice. Lord, the building blocks that you have established in each one of our homes with just the fundamentals, the fundamentals that have established shalom in each and every home. Lord, it's produced unity among teams. And Lord, a, a church that is filled with your spirit and able to hear the voice of what your spirit says to us. Lord, we lift up your name right now. That you are great and mighty and awesome. You are worthy of all praise because of the works that you're doing in each and every household in this church. Lord, that you have, you have strengthened us by our relationship with you and our unity with each other. You have given us clarity of our call. You've given us direction of us with the one association. And what we are dedicating these children for is for the future and the future lands that their feet will be placed upon. Lord, we thank you for the strength and the diligence to day after day parent them in righteousness. Parent them according to your word. And Lord, to see your image displayed and matured inside of them as well as it happens inside of us. Is there any family that has not been prayed for yet? Okay. Just a few more minutes.
Can we raise a hallelujah in this house for what we have on this stage? Man, we honor you, Lord, for this greatness, your great kindness to this body of believers. We honor you in every way. Lord, may every prophetic word that has just come forth be proven true and right because of your greatness and your power and empowerment to these parents here. Lord, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said amen. Thank you, guys. You can take your places. You can take your seats. Take your seats. Go ahead and get settled. As everybody's getting settled... Take your Bibles and put them back on your laps. We're going to get back into the Word. Everybody begin to turn to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43, and we're going to begin in verse 1. It says, but now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not. Somebody say, fear not. I don't think you're quite settled yet. Somebody say, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. See, there is a purpose when you're thinking about a baby and a child dedication. There's a purpose behind naming a child by a certain name. As a matter of fact, we were talking with Elder Baj just the other day, and we were talking about this topic, and of course, Elder Baj gave us great insight. He says, in most languages, not English, but in most languages, you don't ask someone, what is your name? You are usually, the literal translation is, what are you called? What is your name is the way that we would say it and think about it as primarily English speakers. But in many, many, many languages, the literal translation would be, what are you called? See, here we're seeing that I have called you by name because that's how a calling occurs. See, the perfect father, the Lord has actually called you something. He's called you and given you a name because you belong to him. He's called you not just to something. I might be able to call you to join me on stage, but calling you to something and calling you something are different thoughts that we've got to get today. He has called you and given you a name. He's called you and given you a purpose. He's assigned to you a function, an intentionality that he is calling in advance before you can see it. 
Before your life has started, before you get along the way, he's not guessing. He's not looking at where you're going and guessing where you might end up. God says, I have called you by name. The reason that he knows your name is because he gave your name. And he has assigned you a function that is something that is incredible. Now, when you're hearing that statement out of Isaiah 43, he called you by name. Does it come to mind some of your early childhood? Or maybe even as a parent, when there is the calling of a full name? Like first, middle, and last name? Yeah, that always meant I was in trouble. Oh, it's a lot different than just calling the first name. Because when that full name is called out, it gets your attention. Something much like Sydney Isabella. Rather than just Sid. Yeah, she just tensed up right there. Right. <laughs> it's, that, it's that calling to attention that there is an authority present. Right? Well, what we do as parents by calling our children a name that God gives us for them, it has a very, very unique purpose in that process of calling. And one of the purposes is that it reflects who God is, meaning the naming process, the calling process. That is a, a definite characteristic of who God is and how he operates. So let's all go to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 5. Genesis 1.5 says, God, what's that next word? Called. called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So as we were engaged in this in our study time, and really throughout the whole week, the question began to pop in my mind, why did he call the light day? Wasn't it already called light? And why did he call the darkness night? There was something that he was zeroing in on as a function of who he is and a declaration of what that was and what it was supposed to do. So to help you grasp this, we have a slide from Vines about the word called. So the word that you see there in Genesis chapter 1 for called is the Hebrew word kara. Everybody say kara. It means to call, to call out, to recite. You'll see that we've highlighted something that is important, especially on a day like today. Naming a thing is frequently an assertion of sovereignty over it. If you're going to name something, that means that you have the right, the authority, to then talk about its function and to give it a name. You can see here that God called the light day in Genesis 1. That's what we just read. He allowed Adam, God purposed for Adam, to name the animals. That was one of the first tasks that God gave him to do. God put Adam in a garden so that he might work it. And in Genesis 2 and verse 19, he assigned him the task of naming every animal. You do realize that God did not name the animals. Adam named the animals, and whatever Adam called it is what the name of that animal is. Wow. Y'all hadn't thought about that. Y'all really hadn't thought about that. That idea that Adam is the one that named it to show 
a demonstration of man's relative sovereignty over the animals. Man doesn't have all sovereignty. We don't have sovereignty over God, but a relative sovereignty over what God has assigned to us. And it goes on to say here in Vines that the calling or naming of an individual may also specify the individual's specific characteristics. So you get that. Assertion of sovereignty, that delegated sovereignty of action in Adam, and a defining of a specific characteristic. Let's go back to Genesis 1-5 in thought, right? Genesis 1-5 is occurring in day one of God restoring the earth. And how many days total are there in that process? Seven. So on day one, he's restoring the earth. He said, let there be light. What day was it that he made the sun, moon, and stars? Day four. So we're not talking about photons of energy that are expanding and contracting to generate what we see as visible light or the absence of it. We are seeing here that God is looking at the state of the earth that is in tohu vavohu. It is in chaos and disorder. And there is darkness over the deep. And he steps in and says, let there be light. Let there be my presence in the midst of this chaos. And he separates that darkness from light. But then this is the very next step. He calls the light day. And he calls the darkness night. Meaning that he is exerting his sovereignty over both of them. And he is defining their specific characteristic. See, in displaying his sovereignty over light and darkness, by first separating them, he's, he's calling them day and night in order to declare what they then will function as from that point forward. And particularly functioning in relation to the rest of creation. Everything else that would inhabit the earth at that time. So then, it's no surprise... That when God made the sun and moon on day four, the sun and moon were called to govern the day and night. See, in day one, he's setting the stage by declaring sovereignty and purpose over light and darkness with day and night. And then it's going to interact with the sun and moon. The sun and moon was to rule over that which, God's, which, is, which is of God's presence and that which is not light and darkness. So these very governing agents he placed on earth to rule it were a unified entity of man and woman. You guys are familiar with our marriage teaching that um, the man is the sun and the woman is a moon in a marriage covenant. And this first married couple, Adam and Eve, would function like the sun and moon, but particularly interacting with what God has now called day and night. Is this making sense to you? The sun and the moon are representative, and they have been given the power to govern over what God has called. See, this is what introduces man and woman, husband and wife, into this process. God made man and woman in his own image. God made man in his image and simultaneously gave him and assigned him, called to him what his name is, the man, Ha-Adam. This is what God has done, is called Adam. And God gave Adam the charge to rule over all that he had made. 
Thereby, you see that in the naming of the animals that were brought before him. It shows that Adam had sovereignty, and this is also something important for us to get because it begins there even in the garden, but we see that God's principle goes throughout his word. It begins there with Adam, but then you see it in the naming process. Somebody say naming process. In that naming process, you see this very important principle that's carried out through the word. The father of the faith, the father of the faithful. His name was Abram. His father assigned him the name Abram. But God came in and named him what? See, when God names something, he's speaking about a purpose, about a destiny, about an intentionality, about what they are to be. Not only a father, but an exalted father in Abraham. And we can look to that and see that God's ability to call someone. He not only did it with Abraham, but he did it with Abraham's wife, Sarai. Sarai became Sarah. God changed a name again because of his authority and his sovereignty. You can look throughout the course of the word of God. Think about Jacob. What is, who does Jacob become? After wrestling in the very presence of God, there was something that changed and God declared it. God announced it. God showed his sovereignty over the man that would become more than just a man, but an entire people group. And not just an entire people group, but God's chosen people group. When God calls something, when he names something, it is for a purpose and he will make sure that what he has called will come about. Look, we all know that, uh, that God's uh, action of, of being Lord, being Lord Almighty, is to show sovereignty by calling something into its function. So he does that for all the creation. You know what else he does it for? He does it for his actual word. Right? So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is breathe. And don't forget, it's useful too. Just read the rest of the verse. But it's God breathed. And the fact that he has brought it into being by his words, in definition, is him calling it into its function. So we have the Torah. Torah are the first five books of the Bible, right? Uh, what's the first book? Help me out. Genesis, next one. Next one. Leviticus. Let's pause on that one for a minute. Leviticus. Who can shout out loud what the Hebrew name for Leviticus is? Vaikra. You know that Vaikra means and he called. So the word kara is within the name of the book of Leviticus. Ve-i-kara. And he called. So, Leviticus is the only book in the Torah that the name Yahweh is coded through equidistant letter spacing. You have some questions about that? Go to our discipleship training handbook. Meaning that the book titled And He Called has God's name embedded in its entirety. The name that Torah is always pointing to and for his people to be able to recognize. So get this concept. And this is what we are acting upon right now within the dedication of our children. Everything that he names is founded on his name. 
Everything that God names is founded upon his name, what he is called, what comes from him, because nothing that exists exists outside of him. All things come from him. Isaiah 43, 1, we're going to read it again. Are you ready to read again? Yeah, y'all good? You good? Coffee still hanging in there? All right. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. And what's that last statement? You are mine. I have called you by name. See, what God declares to be truth is truth for an eternity. It does not change like shifting shadows. What he names is perfect, holy, and pure. And therefore, it can be trusted for an eternity. This extends, this principle that God is showing here, it extends not only through Adam, not only through Abraham and Sarah and into Jacob, which, by the way, in this, do you see how we're talking about a calling, but names are all over this verse? Jacob, Israel. He's saying, I, I got you from the beginning, and I'm going to take care of you all the way to the end. I know what you were, and I know what you are, because I've called, I've called you by this. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. Whose name? Yes. The answer is yes. He called you by your name. He called you by his name. And he wanted to make sure that you understood that that's one and the same. So he said, you're mine. Isn't this what happens? Isn't this what's going to happen on Saturday when we watch Spencer and Randy get married in the most glorious kind of way? Even in our world, a wife then takes the name of her husband because why? She is his. What a beautiful, beautiful understanding. See, this happens all the way and it extends even into the time of David here. Second Samuel, I'll just read this to you. Chapter 12 and verse 24. Think about this. Then David comforted his wife, Bathsheba, and went into her and lay with her. And she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. The mother gives birth, but the father gives a calling and gives a name. And the Lord loved him, being Solomon, and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah. Because of the Lord. He called his name Jedidiah. So David assigned his son the name Solomon. And God said, you know what? I love your son so much, I'm going to just name him anyway. God named Solomon Jedidiah. Why? Because of the Lord. Because he called Solomon by name. Because he said, Solomon, you're mine. Because at his very birth, God decided that he wanted to do something with this man. Church, when God calls you by a name, your parents may have given you a name. Maybe a really regal, prestigious name like Wade. <laughs> that, uh, we have to add to it because it's just, just 
where the water runs. A wadi. I don't know why I always think of Ibrahim when I think of a wadi. Wadis of Egypt, right? Not a particularly impressive name, except God has given me a calling and a name. Because of the Lord, you have been given something that's special. This continues on not only in David's life through his son Solomon, but there's another son of David that we want to look at as well. I'll turn with us to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read verse 21. Say, he called as you turn. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. Even with the Son of God, the Father was the one who named him. The Father was the one who called into being his function and his purpose. And we know that, obviously, Jesus only did what he heard the Father saying, or only did what he saw the Father doing, and only spoke what he heard the Father saying. He was in constant flow of shalom underneath the sovereignty of his father. And that began with the father naming his son. This continues on. Not only did it happen for Jesus, it happened for his disciples. So one of our favorite characters we've been talking a lot about is Peter, right? Peter's original name was Simon, but Jesus was the one who spoke to him in John 1 said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, meaning that rock. So just like Adam was given relative sovereignty to name what was entrusted to him, Jesus is demonstrating the exact same thing with his disciples. Y'all getting this? The father named Adam. Adam begins naming the creatures. The father named Jesus. Jesus begins naming those who are serving and following in his footsteps. This is part of this process. As a matter of fact, in Mark 3, you see it wasn't only for Peter. We see that Jesus is calling to those. In Mark 3, 13, it says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. You realize that there's an intentionality. It's not only a sovereignty, but there's an affection, just like it was when Solomon was named Jedediah, the one that I love, the one that my heart is towards. He is also, now Jesus is doing the exact same thing with the disciples. He wanted these 12 men to be at his side. He wanted them to be by him. He loved them. He wanted to be near to them, so he called to them. He called to them, and they answered. Now, some of you guys... Or the truth is, is this is a very studious church. What was the name in Hebrew for the word called? Kara. Vaikara. Vaikra. And he called. But we're in the New Testament now. That's a Hebrew word. The New Testament word, the Greek word for called is kaleo. Somebody say kaleo. When Jesus called to his disciples, he kaleoed them. And the word kaleo is a Greek cognate for kara. 
As a matter of fact, when you do the study, you realize these words, more than most words between Greek and Hebrew, overlap in a magnificent way. When you're looking through the Septuagint, most of the time that it says he called in the Older Testament, it is the word kaleo that is used in the Septuagint. Now, that's kind of important. Somebody say kaleo. Because there's an important thing that relates to all of us as the church. The Greek word for church is what? Ekklesia. It is a uh, derivative of the word kaleo. The word ekklesia literally means the called out ones. Okay, get it with me. <laughs> like called out ministry, the called out ones. The name for the church of the living God is the called out ones. The group of the men and women have been called out, called out from where they were, called out from the nations, called out from the darkness of their life, and they are now na named. They're known by the fact that they are the called out ones. Turn with us to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Matthew 16, 18, it says this. And I tell you, you are Peter. He reminds him of what he's called, of his name. And on this rock, Peter, this rock of revelation, I will build my called out ones. Upon the revelation of what I am saying to you, of what I have declared, of what I have called, I am going to build all of those who are called out together. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the ones that I have called out and I have called by my own name. What a powerful understanding that God is trying to get us to here today. Can everybody understand calling? Called out? Okay, now that we've established that, we've got something that each and every heart in this house needs now that based on that understanding. So saints, were you called out of darkness into his glorious light? Did Jesus pull you from the muck and mire and seat you at the table of his inheritance? Are you transformed, born again, filled with his spirit and empowered by God? I'm going to ask that again. Are you born again, spirit-filled, and empowered by God? Yes! What were you called before that? Darkness. But I don't think anybody actually literally came up to you and said darkness unless you were Bim or somebody else. <laughs> Brother Darkness. All the, you, you, you go after the... the the scrolling go in your mind. We were called a lot of things before we were born again. A lot of monikers that, praise God, we have moved on from. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians one twenty six out of the NIV 84. Brothers, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. What you, what was that, past tense, were? Were. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Chick. Not many were Instagram influential. Check. TikTok, whatever else. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm chooky. 
Not many were of noble birth. All the way around. So that's what he is stating to the church in Corinth and what we're stating to you. Saints, that's what you were. Because you just proclaimed out of your own mouths and more so by the deeds of your own life that you have been born again. That you have been filled with the Spirit, empowered by his name at work within the function of your name. So the question really then becomes, where does your identity come from? How do you define who you are? You define it by what you are called. To get this in a deeper fashion, everyone turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 1. First John chapter 3 and verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what you are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So in this light of understanding, where do you get your identity? You get it from what you are called. Okay, I'm going to get it again. I know we have all the kids in here, and you guys are doing a great job with the kids, but I want everybody to get this. Where do you get your identity? From what you are called. What are you called? You are called children of God. And in case you didn't want to get that part, the next phrase is great, and that is what we are. See, there's no greater love that God can show us than to give us the calling of sons, to give us the calling of daughters in his kingdom. He's called us children of God because that is what we are. That means what? That means that he has given you his name. And in that, he's given you purpose. He's given you identity. He's given you exactly everything that you could need because he has called it and declared it from the very beginning. Come on now, church. Now, obviously, we're talking about babies and children today and being dedicated. But we've long since moved past that of just you naming your child. And now we're talking about God naming you something. God calling you something. Parents, when you look at a child and you name them, like an Ephraim, you are naming them in the hopes that you will make them into what they're supposed to be. Is that true or not? I mean, we've got, a, we've got Samsons in here. We've got Jehus. We've got... Abraham's in here. Man, we're going we're gonna to raise Raphael, Gabor. We've got great things that we are intending. You know what? There's that, and that is a noble pursuit. But you know what's even better than that? When God calls you something, it's what you are. We're intent on making. We're going to make it because we heard from the heavens in our kids. God has called you something and then makes you into it. He gives you that purpose. He gives you that identity. When the Father calls you something, it's what you are. 
I'm trying to, we're trying to help you out today because these are, these are statements that you already think that you agree with, but we're getting past the surface here. Chris Rayusora, when the Father calls you something, it's what you are. Doesn't matter what you think, doesn't matter what you feel, it's what you are. Rob Barnett, when God calls you something, it's what you are. This is what we are talking about today, and we want to show it to you in a further passage. Everybody begin to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look, stay with us as we do, but I want to point out a few men in the church, in our family. I would say the majority of you arrived here not having been fathered. That's nearly every single one of us. But does that mean that you now are fatherless? No. Andrew Tisdale, are you a son? A son who has a father. Andrew Hayes, are you a son? Adam, are you a son? Rhett, are you a son? See, what we're drilling down on is something very important that is for us all. We can confidently espouse that we are a son. But why do you agree with anything else that goes between your ears that's contradictory to that statement? Why do you allow other names to be assigned to you other than what God has already assigned to you? Because what here it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 2, is that to the church of God, the called out ones of God, that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is declaring to them what they are, which is supposed to drive out every thought of what they think they're not. He wants to displace the despair that is trying to settle in and rob you of the name that he has given you from his name. He called you. And particularly, he called you to be his sanctified sons and daughters of his house. And that sanctification process is a removal of what does not belong. The impurities that seek to stain what God has made purely from him. Why? Because he is jealous for you. He has lavished his love upon you by calling you his sons and his daughters. This is so potent that you see it all the way through until the end of the story in Revelation 17. Verse 14 says, They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called. Somebody say, are called. And chosen and faithful. That is what they are. You are defined by what you are called by the Father. That is who you are. Your actions flow from that declaration of God to you and about you, about who you are. 
Here it is, church. Your responsibility is to agree with what he called you by acting upon it. Your responsibility is to agree with what he called you by acting upon it. You've got to show greater trust in what he has called you more than what you call yourself. Those thoughts. You know, you know those thoughts that you have? Those thoughts that you wrestle with. Because in a service together, yes, I can declare that I'm a child of God. But what do you call yourself? You call yourself something less than what God has said. That disparity between what God calls you and what you call you is what will bring about despair in your life. It's what will bring about anxiety in your life. Ultimately, it is trying to keep you from becoming what God has already declared you to be. This is the core of what we're talking about. When you look at yourself in the mirror, how is it that the most intelligent people look at themselves in the mirror and think they're not smart enough? How is it that the most attractive people look at themselves and go, this is not enough, but I can see this flaw? Have you ever said to yourself, no, let me not do it that way. I have said to myself, and you've heard me share it with you before, I'm the wrong guy for this. You should have picked somebody else. What am I saying to God? I'm saying that I don't believe what you've called me. I'd rather stick with what I have called me. I am saying that my calling of me is more than his calling of me. What he has called me comes from his name. When I hold on to what I have called me, I am refuting the name of the Lord. And his calling to me, because he didn't make a mistake, he got it right. Okay, maybe that one didn't get you. What about when you look at the other men in this church and say, I can't be what they are? I can't do what Pastor Matt does. I can't be like Elder Bosch. No, see, God himself has called you to be here. Why? To make you into what we are. Because it's not about these men. It's about the God who's called us and assigned us a function. That's just a faithless way in our own hearts to identify with our own call, our own name, versus what God has called us. Do you see how much this is needed today? We are going to be everything that God has called us. And we've got to quit disagreeing. We've got to quit denying what God has actually called us because his name is involved in it.
To say it plainly, we don't have the right to call ourselves by any other name than the one he's given us. No different than your three-year-old does not have the right to change the name that you gave them at their birth. See, that, that strikes, that, that hits a little bit more. Because either you have been that child or you have had a child like that. And ultimately, it's a rejection of sovereignty. If you agree with a name about you that God has not given, it's a rejection of his sovereignty. But to agree with it, to agree with it crushes every single fear of inadequacy and lack of value. It annihilates this thought that I just can't. It gives you the foundation of confidence that, yes, I can be what God has called me to be. It's having tremendous effect even as we begin to study it, as we've been sharing it in bits and pieces to those of you in this room. It is what our entire church needs. So let's do this. Everybody turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. As you turn, get this concept that your identity comes from the Father's identity. That the divine nature inside of you did not originate with you, it originated with him. And therefore he imparted his name and his call inside of you to be the foundation that expresses itself through you. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 10. Therefore, my brothers, I'm going to go ahead and say it today since it's Mother's Day. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. What kind of effort? We're going to make every effort to confirm your calling. Can we just help you with something real quick as we're getting ready to come to a close? Let us help you with this. Anybody concerned about your calling? Are you concerned about your own name? Like, there's no question about your own name, right? Do you hear, I'm going to help lead you somewhere real quick. To make your calling an election, to confirm that, don't you think about your calling as something foreign, far off, that is out there in the, in, the, in, in, in the clouds somewhere? What is your calling based on what we've taught you today? It's who you are. Matt Pirro is a mighty man of God. He is a minister of the gospel. He doesn't have to go try to figure out what he needs to do. You know what he needs to do? Be who he is. <laughs> and in being who he is, he begins to function wholeheartedly in what God has named him, called him. That is what is going to fulfill and confirm your calling. Be who God made you to be. That's not off out there somewhere, Chris Rayazor. It's right here. It's what he's already called you. Some of y'all are going to get that. You're going to worry less about a future calling, and you're just going to start being who he's called you. That'll change everything in your life. 
The reason is, is that we need you at the present, not in the future alone. We need you to be who God is inside of you now. That's how we grow and mature as a body. Now, you remember how we said in the beginning, mothers give birth, fathers give names and give callings. And that even the names of our children were derived from hearing from God and from his word. So if you're having some trouble, it's like, I really don't know what my name is. You know, I am Groot. <laughs> what is my identity? How do I define who I am? Well, it's no different than what we said about how we go about that process for our children. It's found in his word. I don't know. There's maybe 12 distinctive statements that declare from the Father about your identity. Uh, 12 gates? Yes, 12 I, gates. I am Groot. Who is familiar with the 12 gates? Raise your hand. Actually, if you're familiar with the, the 12 gates or want to be familiar with the 12 gates, set your Bibles aside and stand to your feet. Now, instead of hearing this as a list, hear this in this context. Okay, I need everybody to look up here. Amen. Everybody looking up here. As we go through this, don't think about it as a rote list that some of you think you already know. We're going to say these together from the perspective of you will not call yourself by any other name than what he calls you. Do not call yourself by any other name than what he calls you. Because he says, I am a son. Repeat that. I am a son. I am a co-heir. I am seated in the heavenly realms. I am full in Christ. I am clothed with Christ. I am a participator in the divine nature. I am strengthened with all power. I am an ambassador of God. I am the dwelling place of God. I am a holy and royal priesthood. I am God's inheritance. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Church, when we can do more than just say this, Listen to the framework. Do not call yourself by any other name than what he has called you. You've declared it with your mouth what he has called you. A son, a co-heir. You are seated with him. Do not believe any other calling than what you have received. You guys love repentance? No, no, I'm, I'm asking again. Do you guys love repentance? 
Why? Because it brings life, right? What we're going to do is show repentance relating to the number of times and habits we have of assigning ourselves a name other than what God has. And repentance must include action, right? How you're going to repent right here and right now is by taking every thought captive that wants to give you a name other than what he has given you. And you're going to run to the word, the Father's spoken word that does declare who you are. You're going to say it out loud every time that thought begins to enter into your mind. But here's the important part of it. You're going to act on it. Particularly for you men, heads of households, when you have that devilish thought that says you messed up in this one area and you really suck and you're not really a royal and holy priesthood, you take it captive by going to that scripture, to that, that, uh, that 12 gates, and then you rise up and act as a royal and holy priest. Same for all of you in this room that you are full in Christ, particularly whenever you don't feel full in Christ. Say it and then do it. Right? Say it and then do it. That's how we're going to show repentance. And we're going to start right now. With all those thoughts that are in your mind, we're going to put them underneath our feet and call in us what God has already stated. And we're going to do it with joy, too. Like, lots of rejoicing. Lift your heads.